and welcome to Animation Meditation, a semi-weekly podcast on all things animation. My name is Andy, I'll be your host for tonight. Joining me this episode, as always, Nadia. Yay! How are you doing, Nadia? I'm very good. Also joining us for the finale of this arc that we've put ourselves through, Leah. It's a me! How, how how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little salty that I had to watch Captain Underpants for a second time, <laughs> but I have gotten through it stronger, faster, and better than before. But I guess the good news is that I, I feel like I, I was able to pinpoint some more specific reasons why I didn't like it, because I will say the first time... When I didn't like it, I I didn't I wasn't necessarily able to pick out something specifically that really I that felt that kind of sit wrong with me. And this time I was able to actually pay attention and find specific examples of things that I didn't like. So I guess that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So how's everyone's week been so far? Busy, but but yeah. good. Ooh, I finished my audiobook, which was very exciting. And was very good and made me cry three separate times. So, Ooh, I'm always looking which audio book? Oh my god! Okay, Concrete Rose. It's Angie Thomas's third book. Um, she wrote The Hate You Give and On the Come Up. And Concrete Rose is a prequel to The Hate You Give. Have either of you read that one? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> no, but I will now. <laughs> okay. Well, The Hate You Give is absolutely amazing. You have to read it. It's super fucking good. Uh, on the Come Up is. Her second book, it's also really good. And Concrete Rose is the prequel to The Hate You Give. So it, the, the father of the protagonist in The Hate You Give, this follows like his life as a teenager and sort of like his experience with fatherhood and like trying to leave gang life to become the father that he wants to be for his son. Oh, I'm putting that on my list. Yeah, the ending made me happy cry, and then there's a part, like, in the middle that made me, like, emotional cry, and I was listening to it on my way from work, and it kind of came out of nowhere. So I had, like, just finished putting gas in my car, and I was, like, pulling out to, like, really start going to work, and I just started, like, sobbing in the car, because this, like, big thing happened. It's really good, though. That sounds Anyway, you can't use any of that in the podcast, so sorry, but (laughs) please read all of her stuff. Don't tell well, me what I can and can't use in this podcast. That's true. I'll rant about that book, I guess, when I finish. But if if you haven't read any book by Angie Thomas, please do it. She is just a powerhouse of a woman, and she's amazing and super good. I... Also, yes, men written by women are amazing. Also, I don't read a lot of male authors, so... I will definitely check that out because i'm trying to get myself to read more like a dumb nerd like you um but <laughs> i i thought of you last night because i was playing jackbox with some mm-hmm. friends and playing um fibbage and you know that's the one where you answer the or we were playing the the fibbage um enough about you so that's the one where you answer a question about yourself and then other people submit answers that they think that you would say and then everybody Mm -hmm. picks an answer and it's like you try to fool other people with your answers and the question I got was what book have you lied about reading and (laughs) I was trying to think of one because I was like every book that every book in high school 
every every <laughs> single book. Just all the all those books. You know, The Great Gatsby, The Giver. Yeah, I so, The Great Gatsby Giver. I don't think I I don't think I read a single book in full for a class in high school. I think I read parts of it or I would read the beginning and then would kind of skip around a little bit, but I don't think I ever read a book like cover to cover so in high school. I, and I know how much that hurts you, Nadia. I am currently reading The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Castlehart. Hardcastle? Ooh. Castle. What's that about? Hardcastle. Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Um, It's about, it's like a murder mystery where you as a character see the events of a day that ends with the death of Evelyn Castlehart over the course of seven different characters. But you're following the same sort of narrative. It, 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 in the narrative, there is, like, someone who is, like, you are reliving this, and you will continue to relive this until you solve the murder. Oh. Ooh, I'm going to write that one down. That Me one too. Another thing that I did was I recently watched The Greatest Showman for the first time. Oh, oh my god. And... The soundtrack had been something that I had I'd listened to on repeat. There are multiple songs in this show that I could go from start to finish cold, but I had actively gone out of my way to not watch the film because I felt that the story that I had gotten out of the soundtrack was so good and well done. And I think the the zoo, the, not the zoo, the circus setting is a very interesting and well thought out idea for the themes that they're trying to put out in this film but at no point in the soundtrack do they contextualize this as Mm -hmm. a pt barnum story and i really did not want that tainting my enjoyment of the music it's like good that is 100 percent legit but like the movie is actually really good and i hate that it's that it now has to be contextualized as that because yeah I feel like if they no. had literally just made the entire movie and just not ha- like they it did they, they didn't have to have it be P.T. Barnum. Yes. They changed enough of the actual story that at the end it doesn't even really look like something that historically is rooted in P.T. Barnum anyway. So like it could have just been not. But it makes it so him. much worse because it's just it's just insulting because that's not how the quote unquote freaks, and I only use that word because that is what P.T. Barnum used for them were treated at the time like yeah also my no, it was thing with that exploitive. movie too is that so it's it's set in this like weird alternative reality 1850s situation but the 1850s without the civil war and so yeah it's just and it's it, just yeah. like it's and it and it and and they kind of try to okay the the big thing i think that bothers me about that movie and i i don't think it's a bad movie but the funny thing to me is that they sort of deal with the racism, but not really. So they yeah, sort which of makes it worse. <laughs> suggest a little they bit about it. They address that the racism exists. Yeah. And so the whole thing about like Zendaya and Zac Efron, they're like, well, we can't be together because, you know, it, it's not allowed. And and then, you know, he convinces her with his steely good looks. And I just, <laughs> I... And his ability to ho- hold a rope real yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and in that okay. scene, I was like, no, it's not that they're just not allowed to be together. It's that they will both be murdered 
Like, she will be, like, her especially will be brutally murdered if they are seen in public together. So it's it's not really, yeah. like, a cute love story. It's like, oh, she's putting her life in danger in order to be with him, and he is just not, he just expects yeah. her to do that. But it's also, like, in the context of this film, to Zac Efron, Zendaya is a commodity. Yeah, exactly. And, and it is acceptable for him to see her as that. And not only is it acceptable, it is expected. Yeah, and I, I guess I I think that, you know, obviously telling those stories about about couples who kind of went against the law in that way is really important. But I don't... I, in a Disney movie about P.T. Barnum, it, that wasn't... That wasn't... That wasn't it, in yeah, my I opinion. I think the movie makes me really frustrated because I look at all these things and like y'all are right but you're also but like Andy you're also right that it's a good movie and it's yeah. super frustrating because I watch it and I'm like but I really like it but I see all these <laughs> issues and then I'm like okay this relationship doesn't make any sense and they also barely ever speak to one another but that one scene where they like hold hands in the theater gives me chills every goddamn fucking time and they have incredible sexual chemistry on screen so I'm like I shouldn't it's one of those things where, like, laid out, this should have been a horrible movie. Like, it just should have been. But, like, they pulled it together in a way where, like, those issues are still there, but it's also good, which is, like, super infuriating on multiple levels. Because, like, I will... Yeah, I don't know. I guess my thing is, there there was no yeah. reason to base it in history. They could have made it about just oh, some yeah. random guy in this fantasy land... Like, you have a perfectly valid setting. Yeah. You have a perfectly valid, like, story to tell with the the concepts that you've put on the table. You just had to slap P.T. Barnum on it and call it the greatest show. And, like, I don't understand why we needed to do that. Yeah, exactly. It also didn't have to be, like, the first circus. Circus ex- exist all over the place. It could have just been a story about the creation yeah, exactly. of a specific... <laughs> Like, this specific circus. Or it could have been, like, sure, okay, P.T. Barnum created the ideas of circuses, but he wasn't, like, personally responsible then for every other fucking circus that was created. And there were lots of communities that, like, hadn't seen something like that before. So it easily could have been, like, the first of that type of show in a community that wasn't familiar with P.T. Barnum. All right, what if... Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. What if we had that film... But instead of P.T. Barnum being the main character, it was an individual who had recently escaped from another country and was trying to make their way back to America. But, like, they accidentally fell into this moving circus and yes. and had to pretend that they were a trapeze artist. Wait a second. You're just <laughs> describing Madagascar oh 3, God. Escape from Europe or whatever. <laughs> oh, no. And, and and but well, but also no no right. no in my in mind he's a talking lion anyway but but then but I don't know how we fit Katy Perry into this but that <laughs> okay so I guess that's the tie-in that we needed to connect back to the March Madness yeah, we're supposed to be talking it's been, about. Uh, 20 minutes, 20 minutes of us talking about a not animated movie that is not on this list. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, no, no. Well, Nadia and I had a thing to we bring to show and tell. What do you have, Leah? I already did my show and tell. I 
I have presented my three items of show and tell and off air. Oh, is this a new show and tell though? Well, I don't have the I don't have that that part recorded. Ah, I see. This is all this is all going in. I <laughs> no hope you know I'm not cutting any of this. Know. All right. Oh god. Uh, my show and tell. <laughs> Our poor poor viewers. Is is oh i'll just use my same pre-show and tell because it wasn't recorded <laughs> I, hope, I hope it's just i hope it's just leah accepting that she's a furry <laughs> no my pre-show <laughs> and tell is the master official trailer which came out which looks great and i'm very excited to see where it goes because i'm excited that we get a main character that is a young woman a young woman of color and i'm glad that we get to see her have superpowers and i'm excited to see where it goes so there that's that's that was a very yeah but also but also getting that in the form of like the same animation style as spider-man into the Mm spider-verse with the same directors as spider-man into the spider-verse yeah yeah i am very excited i have high hopes which i hope are not horribly crushed this has not um yeah, this has not yeah. been a year for hope. So <laughs> this film is giving me the guiding yeah. light. Forward. We're out of we're no no we're out of the year of not the year for hope. If anything, this is explicitly the year for hope. No, that's true. That's true, but it's also it's also the year for I'm scared to have hope because I've been <laughs> crushed for a year and yeah. a half. I'm sorry, year so and a like, half? You mean like I could, five years? I was just about to say, you mean four years? That's specifically yeah, that's, four years? That's true. That's <laughs> no, yeah, no, no reason. No, no specific uh, reason for that four years. Um, yeah, so that's that's true. Oh, But to start us off with our top eight for these DreamWorks films that we're doing, this thing that we're doing with all these DreamWorks films, you know, you know the one, the bracket that we're doing. We have our first match of round three. Our number one seed, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, versus our number 25 seed, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron. Who would like to start us off? You do. Me? Okay. So, I love Wallace and Gromit. I've grown up with Wallace and Gromit. This is definitely something that has been near and dear to my heart. And Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, is something that I'd literally been introduced to at the beginning of us doing this. But Spirit has such a groundbreaking, even for like now, a, such a groundbreaking story told with such groundbreaking animation in such a groundbreaking way that I honestly find it very difficult for me to put Wallace and Gromit over it as much as I want to. That's ex- that in that perfectly encapsulates Same. exactly what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So good thing Andy went yeah. first. You got no, it. I like, absolutely agree. I, I, I think with these two as well, I feel like they both very much, they, they deserve to be here. I also think that even if you had said, I wanted Wallace and Gromit more, I would have said, okay, that's very fair. But I do absolutely agree with what you said. Yep, I have no arguments and I feel the same way. And I was not expecting mm. to. But because I also like I love Wallace and Gromit and I didn't like I saw Spirit when I was younger, but it wasn't really a film that I came back to. So I think I kind of dismissed it a little bit in my mind, if that makes sense. 
So when I did come back to it and I was so utterly blown away, it it did kind of take me by surprise because I very much remembered it from the perspective of like a little kid watching it who was like, wow, horses. Also, it was sad. And that was pretty much all I took away from it as a kid. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I think if I had seen this as a child, I would not have appreciated it nearly as much as I do now. Oh, yeah, not at all. Um, so I'm super glad that I rewatched it. I am also super glad that I rewatched Wallace and Gromit. I love Wallace and Gromit, but I just don't think that it can really stack up to the, to what Spirit did, just like yeah. cinematically. I think also, um, so I rewatched all eight of these videos again, just because some of them, it had been six or seven weeks since I'd seen them and I, I didn't quite feel like I remembered them. And I found rewatching them as well that I think I got more out of rewatching Spirit than I did out of rewatching Wallace and Gromit. So Wallace and Gromit was still a great experience, but I didn't necessarily feel like I noticed anything new or was able to take anything new out of it. While with Spirit, I think that I was able to sort of get a little bit of a, I don't want to say like a new perspective, but I was able to to see different things and appreciate different things this time except for for some reason rewatching Wallace and Gromit this one time there is a scene that made me just cry with laughter it was when Wallace figured out that he was transforming into the were-rabbit and he is crying and the the rabbit that had been fused with Wallace so the Wallace rabbit, I guess, <laughs> has this completely glassy-eyed look, just staring in like two different directions. And he says, <laughs> oh, the bounce is gone from his bungee. And I don't know why that <laughs> just absolutely just killed me this time. But I, yeah, I very much agree with you guys. All right, locking that in. That was, that was much easier than I thought that was going to be. Good. But you know what might be a little bit harder? Yep. Our number four seed, Shrek, versus our number 12 seed, Captain Underpants. It's the first one, boys <laughs> and girls. I would like to hear what you guys think so first. I'm pretty excited. Okay. Because you're so yes, undecided, obviously. right? I know, I know you, you have, have such a hard time deciding no between these. So I, I feel like I'm going to say pretty much... Like, the exact same thing that Andy just said about the early one. Because I really love Captain Underpants. I adore it as a movie. I think it is fantastically done. I think it is funny. I think it is tight. I think it is wonderful. But Shrek is just, like, such an icon. And I think that Shrek appeals to so many different people for so many different reasons. And it's kind of one of those, like, beautiful powerhouses of a film that just continues to connect with audiences for like you know decades after it came out um that i like my i gotta go with shrek i gotta also that soundtrack okay okay i love shrek to death and we have somehow it has somehow gotten through to its third round without me actually talking about it at all and you know what going into this instead of watching the shrek musical I watched Shrek retold. Oh yeah. Which for What's for those that? of you who are not aware of what that is, please go on YouTube and watch it. It is an amalgamation of a number of different artists just remaking Shrek from start to finish, but with their own unique art style. What? 
So it'll jump from like stop motion to live action to what? Is it the same Shrek audio just with the different visuals? Nope. Or is completely it completely oh, okay, so reacted, completely... reanimated? I think some of them might use the original and like redub it with uh, with a different art style, but most of it like there there's even like some live action portions where they just dress up as Shrek and do it. <laughs> Whoa. I'm pretty excited that this is a <laughs> to my life. I'm excited to go watch that. And you know what? The fact that like we can still get such a strong, compelling story and just remove all the visuals and replace them with, like, action figures just being banged against each other. And it still comes out as a very solid and validly told story is is very telling about Shrek. I think Shrek is an absolute phenomenon for what it is and what it has done to the animation industry in general. I think Shrek has caused a whole lot of changes in how we view the concept of fairy tales and how we view the concept of the classic Disney story. And Captain Underpants is just a film I laughed at a few times because it was haha funny and haha nostalgia. And also had a thing in Weird Al track, which I cannot emphasize yeah. enough of how good it is. But Shrek also <laughs> has like an amazing soundtrack and an amazing score. You You see... Yeah. At times, like, the the film isn't reliant on these pop tunes to carry it. It has a almost mesmerizing and hard-to-get-out-of-your-mind score with, like, just the opening theme. Yeah, I completely... Also, so, I, un- unlike Leah, was not able to... Or, unlike Andy, I wasn't able to rewatch the films at all. But when I was thinking... I thought about it. I was like, if I have time, I do want to rewatch some of them. And the one that I was the most excited about the prospect of rewatching was Shrek, which I find funny considering it's also the one that I've definitely seen the most out of all of these to begin with. But I feel like it weirdly feels fresh every time I watch it, even if it's like the hundredth time. And I don't know how it's achieved that. I can't give any like concrete reason why, but out of all of these films, that's the one where I was like, I want to watch it again, even though I've already seen these films like, super recently and i felt like i would get the most enjoyment out of seeing it again all right well i um i feel like i know where this is going but leo would you like to add anything to this uh yeah i think i definitely agree with everything that you guys said i think especially i think what what you said nadia with it feeling sort of fresh every time that you review it i definitely agree with that because this is this is the second time i've watched trek in two months three months and it is still great i don't get sick of it and i don't i i actually enjoy it uh every time which i can't say for every movie that i've watched and i actually ended up i watched shrek on shrek's 20th birthday not like shrek Aww. himself's 20th birthday shrek the Whoa. movie's 20th birthday uh shrek himself <gasps> did not turn 20 the the movie turned 20 so i thought that was also really kind of cute Um, But I think that Shrek is a modern classic. I think that everybody in our generation, I would say, even if they haven't seen Shrek, they know what it is. And maybe that's also just the circles that I run in. But I think Shrek is a modern classic. I think (laughs) it has a lot to say that is very interesting. Would would you say that Shrek is life? Yes, Shrek is life. Shrek is love. Shrek is love. And I... 
there were small things too that I appreciated rewatching these movies. So um, at the end, I noticed that when Fiona turns into an ogre, Shrek says, you are beautiful. He doesn't say something like you're beautiful to me. And it was just that little kind of thing that I thought was really wonderful and sweet and great. So 100% my vote is going to Shrek. Um, I can also talk more about why I didn't like Captain Underpants, but I don't think that that's really needed because we all agree on Shrek. So, yeah. You don't want me to do that last minute switch a Rooney and start arguing for Captain Underpants? No, because you would still lose. So there. <laughs> I could I so, could turn Naughty to my so, side. I'd way... like to see you try. I actually don't want to see you try. Uh, Andy, the way that you started phrasing your like intro into talking about Shrek and Captain Underpants, I legit for the first part of your like speaking thought that you were actually going to choose Captain Underpants and was just like so surprised <laughs> and then I, and then I was like oh my god very reassured when you pick Shrek so I was like everything I know about you is going to be uprooted if if you don't select Shrek as the film I will not yeah. know who you are <laughs> I did think this one would be well, a I, little bit tougher I, I did that very to... purposefully I I phrased the beginning of that of oh, that statement the same way I phrased the beginning fly. of my Wallace and Gromit argument. You sly, <laughs> I, sly individual. I should have, I should have known that that was intentional. <laughs> wow. So not only did you pick Shrek, but you did it in a conniving way. So I have solidified in my mind who you are with no challenges, and I have not had to confront any hard truths yet during this episode. So good, we're on track, folks. Well, if we want to talk about some hard truths. We could talk about our number 18 seed Megamind versus our number 7 seed Shrek I do, 2. I do think this is, is going to be a contentious one, friends. Nadia, do you want to go first on this one? Me? Yes. You're, no. you're the one who is named Nadia, correct? No. <laughs> okay, okay. So here's, here's, here's the thing, though. Okay. Unless Andy changed his name and I, I, I just wasn't... I don't, I don't know, Leah. You haven't gone first yet. Oh, that's true. All right. That's true. I'll go first. That's true. I Heck yeah. think that, okay, so my vote right off the bat, my vote is for Megamind. I, I think that Shrek 2 is a good movie. I think Shrek 2 is a great follow-up to Shrek 1. I think that Shrek 2 has some parts that really are amazing. However, I think that Shrek 2 is a little bit more, um, I, I don't necessarily want to say generic, but I think it is a little bit more uh, typical with its story. I think it, it tracks a little bit more of a predictable flow with, with its story specifically. And I think that Shrek 2, also, there were, there were a few parts that I think kind of fell into the monsters versus aliens thing as well where there was a, a little bit too much topical humor in a few points that sort of dates it and, and makes it a little bit less of a rewatchable thing in the future so shrek one i would say had some topical humor but shrek one doesn't rely on it as much and it's a little bit more subtle so even if you didn't understand what it was referencing you can still appreciate it as a joke um and I would say overall, I think 
that Shrek 2 is a little bit more forgettable because I actually did not remember specifically kind of the story of Shrek 2 before rewatching it. And even now, I sort of, I, I remember on the on the high level what happened, but I, I couldn't tell you something specific that happened in the movie that isn't a meme. So, of course, I remember, you know, I need a hero, but I, I couldn't tell you another scene in the movie. And I think that I've said this before, mm-hmm. too, about Megamind, that I think Megamind is interesting it really holds up on another watch through you kind of it's the same as spirit where you notice things that you didn't notice before and i think that the the story is interesting and new so yeah those are all my opinions yeah i totally agree i think interestingly enough megamind kind of does a very similar thing to what shrek Mm -hmm. one did which is, you know, take tropes that we're familiar with and just completely flip them on their head, where, you know, Shrek kind of confronts fairy tales and then Megamind confronts sort of the superhero genre. But they they both do that... <laughs> I almost said they both do the same unique thing, which mm-hmm. would be a funny sentence, but they both tell that story in... I don't know, I guess groundbreaking would be the right word, but in a groundbreaking way, because it really does make you confront the tropes of the genre. But both of them also do it with a lot of care and love, where, like, Shrek, despite making fun of, like, fairy tales, has kind of become the go-to modern fairy tale. And Megamind doesn't get as much attention, which is just devastating to me. But I also think it's, like, the pinnacle... Well, for me, I don't consume a lot of superhero media, but, like... Megamind, to me, tells a much better story than a lot of other superhero films tend to do. Um, Not just in terms of the actual story, but in terms of the messaging and in terms of, like, the intent of making it different. I think especially with where we're being, like, bombarded with superhero stuff right now. And that's not a bad thing. And there are some fantastic films that have come out of it. But, like, a lot of them kind of feel and become the same to me. Whereas, like, Mega Man just stands out. And I think that's super telling. And Wait, I think the it was video game Mega Man? Done. What? Did I say Mega Man? Yeah. You did say Mega Man. Well, I meant Mega <laughs> Mind. I'm literally looking at the word in front of me right now. But um, yeah, I think it did interesting stuff. And I think it also put effort into the visuals in a like unique way. There's like that one specific scene that I think the film starts with and then returns to where he's just falling through the air in like slow motion and I just think it is such a beautiful, like, visual shot. And I loved it. So my vote is also for Megamind. And I do love Trek 2 very much. But I think for me, in that franchise, I will always come back to the first one. And that's kind of where my heart is. Yeah, agreed. Okay, okay. I I was very conflicted on this one. I, I believe I've stated before, but I do think Trek 2 is the best of the Shrek franchise. Hmm. I... The... The villain in this is just so compelling, and it adds... I don't want to say it adds to the world building, but it plays with the world building that already exists in this world so well, and it allows for this reconstruction of what the fairy tale genre is. And I think I said this in our first episode of here, but I love when you take like this existing lore, like fairy tales or gods or whatever... And you add just that twist to it and make it your own. And the Shrek franchise does this very well, but I think Shrek 2 is where this really shines in terms of the fairy godmother and her interactions with Prince Charming and the 
king frog dude and Shrek and Fiona. And it's it's very difficult for me to not want to put Shrek 2 over Megamind here. Whereas, like, Megamind is absolutely a great film. It is absolutely a deconstruction of the superhero genre. And it's very well-crafted and well-put-together. But it doesn't quite hit as many beats for me as Shrek 2 does. But I absolutely understand the arguments that you two are making. And I absolutely respect that this this decision. Because it is very close in my mind. I I. I I am going to stick to my my gut here and put my vote in on Trek 2, despite it not mattering. (laughs) Well, I think that tracks with pretty much what I've heard you say about the film up until now. So again, (laughs) again, (laughs) it's it's solidified in my mind who you are, which is reassuring. So we're we're settled in on two to one Megamind to Trek 2? Yeah. Sorry, Andy. You won't sound too happy about that. No, I'm just, I feel... I stand by I, it. I, I, my heart goes out to you. <laughs> I accept this. I, I, I think this is a very valid decision here. I, I'm not, both films are very good. I don't think either one moving forward discredits the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think aside from Captain Underpants with Leah, I know you did not like, we're definitely getting to the point where all of us see value in all of these movies. So yeah, I mean, out of all of these... It is, it is the game we've chosen to exactly. play. Exactly. Out of all these eight... I think there's value in all 32 of these films. Well... Except for Monsters vs. Aliens. <laughs> wow, I'm just never, <laughs> never gonna live that down. Darn it. I agree. This is why you write notes and come into podcasts with ideas before you speak, kids. <laughs> because otherwise you'll say the wrong thing and get ridiculed forever. <laughs> I agree, though, Nadia. I think that other than Captain Underpants, which, in my opinion, I have very valid reasons for disliking, I think... No, I think that's totally like, legit. Like, any of these movies, I would be very happy if they won. Uh, we have our number 14 seed, The Prince of Egypt, versus our number 11 seed, Kung Fu Panda 2. All right. Who wants to go first on this? I can dive in on this one. Um, so my instinct immediately was... Prince of Egypt, I think for very similar reasons to what we've said for Spirit, because these two films have, I mean, as the two like 2D animated films, but they also have very similar like feelings for me in terms of the effort that they put to tell the story in a unique and meaningful way. And I just think that the Prince of Egypt is such a powerhouse of a film in that literally every single choice and every single visual has like 12,000 layers of intent and meaning behind it that it just like I I don't know because I really enjoy Kung Fu Panda 2 but I feel like I get more thought and emotions out of watching The Prince of Egypt myself yeah that's absolutely fair yeah I absolutely agree I also think that Kung Fu Panda 2 is a very good movie but like we talked a little bit last episode um I think Prince of Egypt is just a beautiful piece of art as well as a good movie. And sort of the the theme that I've been bringing up a lot about getting something more out of it the second time you watch it, I definitely felt that more with Prince of Egypt than I did with Kung Fu Panda 2. Because I think Prince of Egypt, I definitely was able to appreciate more and see even more things 
the second time watching it as opposed to Kung Fu Panda 2 where I felt like I was getting the same good experience a second time. I also think for animated films, because you're able to do visuals that you aren't able to do with like a regular movie because animation, Mm -hmm. for me, I feel like The Prince of Egypt takes advantage of that more. I think the Kung Fu Panda tells a good story, but when I'm thinking of like a specific scene or a specific moment where I was really blown away with what they were doing with the medium of animation, nothing really comes to Mm -hmm. mind. Whereas like that was literally like all of the Prince of Egypt. Like they really, really took advantage of what they were able to do with this specific medium of storytelling. And I think that if the Prince of Egypt had been done Like, if they had the exact same book and the exact same script and it had been done as a live-action thing, it wouldn't have worked the way that they did with the Mm -hmm. animation. Whereas Kung Fu Panda, I feel like the medium is less important. I mean, yeah, okay, they're all animals, but, like, the story isn't as connected to the choices they made. That, that like, drained away. Sorry, my my thought went down the drain. But basically, I think that The Prince of Egypt took advantage more of the medium that it was telling the story in to, like, the full extent that it could. And I don't feel like Kung Fu Panda did the same. Yes. I I absolutely agree with everything that has been said so far. I I cannot emphasize enough how good Kung Fu Panda 2 is, especially in comparison to its, its first installment. And it honestly does not get enough praise or enough love. The thing that where I get a hang-up on this matchup is both of these films touch on the concept of genocide. Mm-hmm. And both of these films touch on that in a very deep and meaningful way to how it affects the main characters in both films. But The Prince of Egypt honestly takes it much more seriously and much more, I don't want to say respectfully, but it it keeps those themes much more in line with consequences and the consequences of your actions and how your history has affected you and like religious aspects of it aside it it does so in a very meaningful way that can honestly teach a lot Mm -hmm. which is what puts me onto the prince of egypt and it's it's difficult i know i know for me it is difficult for me to distinguish between this being a good quality because it is a well-told story and this being good quality because it is being told in a much more serious fashion. Mm-hmm. But I honestly don't think that that's the case here. Because I do I do really like Kung Fu Panda too. So is your vote, are you thinking Prince of Egypt then? I, I Yeah, okay. no, I, I am solidly in Prince of Egypt. I think both films, like both films handle very similar themes, but I think the Prince of Egypt does it just, just better. I, I can't, in almost every aspect of the of the word uh, of in almost every aspect of how it is being presented to the audience it just it makes you feel for both sides of the story it makes you understand the the antagonist's intentions without it being oh i just want to stay in power it it and it really slams in just how impactful it is to both sides of the story and as, as much as I do think that Kung Fu Panda does a good job of doing the same, it does not do it nearly as well. Yeah. I very much agree with everything that you've said. All right, that's three votes for Prince of Egypt. Oh, we are... I might. I don't want to, like, shoot myself in the foot by saying this, but we are much more agreed on these than I really thought we were going to be. 
<laughs> Which again, you know, I might be eating my words next round, but anyway, that 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 is the final match for round three. Uh, moving on to round four, the first match for this round is going to be our twenty-five seed Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron versus our number four seed Shrek. Go fight. <laughs> I actually went into this thinking I was going to choose Spirit for this one. However, I think I may have actually changed my mind. Um, so, Nadia, I would be interested to hear what you think, because I think I know which one Andy's going to pick. And I, I'm interested if either of you guys feel particularly strong and what you have to say about it, because I think that that might sway my decision. Okay, I'm also a little bit on the fence about this one. I had the same experience with you where thinking about it, I was like, oh, I'm probably going to pick Spirit for very similar things that we talked about just in terms of what it was able to accomplish as a film in terms of like the, the, the groundbreaking animation, the way that they were able to create these emotions with the horses and all of like similar to Prince of Egypt. I think when we're talking about these movies, we tend to come back to Spirit and the Prince of Egypt as kind of these powerhouses of artistic expression. But if I'm looking at story, I think that Shrek tells a more cohesive story. And I think my big hang up with Spirit is the narrative arc that it takes. And I've said this before, but it's literally a roller coaster. Like it's this up and down of Spirit, like going through these different large and traumatic experiences. And so you're like, as an audience member, you're constantly, it's kind of like, like it, it actually kind of feels kind of episodic in the way that it's told in terms of you have these chunks of time that each kind of have their own little tragedy that Spirit goes through, whether it's his time trying to get broken by Westerners, or it's his the time that, like, the train chases him down a hill, the time that he's with the Native Americans, the time that he's free. Like, there, there are these different arcs, and I don't like that. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I think it is an incredibly jarring way to tell a story from the perspective of an audience member and I think that like Shrek has this very very simple story that it tells in this really beautiful linear path that also then is able to do all of this you know like we've talked about the interesting deconstruction of fairy tales and like presentation of meaning in a way that makes sense within the story and so from a storytelling perspective I am inclined to pick Shrek also, from just an emotional perspective, like, I feel like these two movies are on totally opposite spectrums for me, whereas, like, I come back to Shrek multiple times a year just to watch it. It always feels like a new movie. I always enjoy it. I always love it. Whereas Spirit, I appreciate, but I was 100% serious when I said it's probably going to be another 20 years before I watch this movie again, just from, like, an emotional perspective. Like, I don't think that I'm going to be in a place where I'm going to want to see it again for a really long time. I'm just I'm just imagining forty year old Nadia just being like, you know what, it's time. <laughs> being like, you know what, I put it off long. An enough, alarm goes folks, off on your I... phone, and you're like, well, <laughs> it's time. It's been I... exactly twenty yep. years since I've watched Spirit. <laughs> In all of the different phones that I get over the years, I don't care about transporting over my contacts. <laughs> it's just this sure one alarm. I need to keep. <laughs> um. But, like, seriously, I don't think that I'm going to want to watch it again, and I, that doesn't diminish what it was able to do as a film. That doesn't th diminish the, like, unbelievable way they were able to tell a story with limited 
what I mean, uh, other than a voiceover, which I think was stupid, but like pretty much no dialogue from the main characters with the horses. That's incredible. And I don't think that any movie with animals has been able to do anything like that before or since. And I think it is beautifully done. But I also just really love Shrek. And I also think that Shrek tells a really beautiful and really meaningful story too. And it also doesn't like forgive people who committed genocide at the end with a nod. So that's also nice. Yeah, I... So I was actually, I was thinking about what you guys were saying about how the the villain didn't get his comeuppance at the end of Spirit. And I actually don't think that he needed a comeuppance. I think in life, he definitely did. I think in the context of the movie, I don't necessarily think that he did. Well, I don't think he needed to, like fall off a cliff or anything but i i don't think that he needed to be shown that moment of respect yeah we we didn't we didn't need that nod at the end i would have been happy having him not get his comeuppance if he wasn't like man i sure respect this horse more than i respect the colored individual on the horse and like actively do that as though i am doing a good thing yeah like in in terms of how history has treated the the in, the parties involved in this exchange, it, it's the ending's somewhat accurate on that account. I mean, I guess not really because it makes you feel like this Native American tribe is going to be fine in the end, and like yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, <sighs> I I agree with what you're saying absolutely, but I didn't I didn't see it as a respect nod. I guess that's the main difference that it comes down to. I think from what from what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you saw it as them acknowledging mutual respect as, of each other, and I don't think I saw it like that. I think... How, how did you see it? I think in my mind it was like, <clears throat> his nod was like, you win this one, horse, and then Spirit's nod was like, all right, bye, idiot. You know? It, it wasn't like a respect, it was like a okay, you've bested me, kind of thing. Yeah, but well, from the perspective of, like, this is a film created by, I'm assuming, white filmmakers. I mean, they literally had Matt Damon voice the horse, so pr- pretty white. And this is all just, like, my own <laughs> emotional self, all hearsay. But, like, to me, it didn't feel like the white creators of the film were able to accurately reckon with the devastation of white America in relation and also like we've talked about genocide already in terms of like the the Prince of Egypt and Kung Fu Panda and this is another film about genocide at the end of the day and it is it though I mean it it's it's a film that is surrounded by a historical context that is generally about genocide but it is surrounded by that context to a degree that to not acknowledge it feels intentional. But that's specifically where my issue with this film is, is that it doesn't acknowledge that. It, it is Exactly. It is exactly. something that is very inherent in that time period, and it is something that is very relevant to the individuals involved in this story, but at no point does the film acknowledge that. And I mean, it does, and again, I didn't rewatch this one, and I also will not for a long time, but Leah, I know you did recently, but they do, do they, they mention like 
do they mention scalping? Do they mention the white men scalping the Native Americans? No. Oh. Am I thinking about a totally different You are movie? thinking okay, of thinking something totally very different. Do, <laughs> do, do they ever show Native Americans, like, running from the white... They do show them, like, running from the white men, though, in fear, Well, right? they have a scene where the white people go in and sort of... Raid is a real nice word for it. Uh, raid their their homes and they have to run away so there is that scene actually no i do i do want to say one thing about that scene but and then i, I will let you continue but it, it it does that scene to me i read as like the the primary goal of them raiding that village was to steal their horses yeah that's what i read it as too and i i initially took it as oh this is the perspective that we're seeing because we are seeing this through the eyes of spirit. And of course, spirit is going to care much more for the other horses involved in this raid than he would for the other humans involved in this raid, which is why we see that perspective. But I don't know if that's something I would take an issue with in terms of how the story is being told from that time frame because it 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 does it does ignore the issue there but it makes sense as to why that would be important from the perspective of the character whose eyes we're looking through yeah i think i i very much agree with you andy if you're saying what i think you're saying that and again like correct me if i'm if i'm not understanding this but i think it's important to think about the context of the story that you're telling and so I think when it comes down to it, Spirit is a story about a horse. It's not a story about all of the horrible things that that colonizers did. And that doesn't mean that those stories don't desperately need to be told, um, specifically need to be told in a mainstream media context. But I think that the context of the story is specifically exploring Spirit's story, the story of the horse. But then my problem becomes why they chose that specific time frame to tell that specific story. Well, exactly. Because if the story is focused on Spirit, yeah. we don't need that context. And, like, to go back to... <laughs> Andy, I don't know if you're going to totally delete our conversation about The Greatest Showman, but it weirdly ties into what we're talking about right now in terms of a story that is centered in a specific time that really doesn't need to be centered in that time and is actually really diminished by being centered in that time because it attempts to confront really large issues within that moment but ends up doing it in a way that feels half-hearted because it isn't given the weight and time that, that it needs. Well, And I think that spirit is the same thing. I don't... I disagree. I think that there is actually a reason for it to be told in that time because that is the time of colonization of quote-unquote the west and that is because this is what when is spirit set it's set in like the six 1500s 1600s right when something like that when people were coming in and they were building railroads and they were i believe it was like just just after like like, or, like, just the beginning of, like, the Oregon Trail era. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that there is a reason for it to be set during that time because, you know, stuff like building railroads and colonization are... You couldn't have a horse story that ex that kind of talks about those things in any other time. 
I feel like it it being set in that time period fits very well. But I feel like the only reason why it mentions those things is because of the time period. Because at the end of the day, Spirit is a story about Spirit finding, like, quest for his own freedom. Right? Yeah. And, like, yes, the, the railway, and yes, the people fall into play there. But at the end of the day, the arc of his story, in terms of a horse getting separated from his family and then dealing with the, you know, being owned and broken by somebody else and then finding his way back to his family, that doesn't need the context of Western expansion. That doesn't need the context of, like, the beginning of the railway. Like, we still have wild horses now, and you can still tell a story about finding freedom and about, like, not allowing yourself to be captive in any time. I definitely get that, and I definitely see what you're saying. I think, though, that the time that it's set is a very is like is a very unique time and i think that it wouldn't have the same impact if it was set like now for example i do want to address a few things thing number one if i remember our conversation correctly i believe we directly transitioned from the greatest showman to the beginning of this in a way that i don't think i could physically remove it without it not making sense <laughs> Good. <laughs> thing, thing number two, we are getting a spirit film that supposedly does not take place in this time period. And I'm not going to say whether or not this does or does not mean that it could or could not take place in that time period, but it'll be interesting to see that. Okay, but that one also looks like an awful thing that completely... Is not ignores the seriously. entire concept of spirit as a as a character no yeah. i would never say that no and now i'm thinking about all the alternate ways that the story could have been told and i also and obviously like it was created a while ago but i feel like if it had, it had been told in a present day moment it could also talk about like really similar things in terms of like the impact that people are having on the environment in terms of the impact that people are having on these wild species and I feel like it could have been even more powerful if it were rooted in some type of present because this film is an amazing it's amazing storytelling and it's really really good at making the audience feel connected with this store with this horse and with this land and if it had been within the context of present time I feel like it also could have been a really powerful film in terms of having people think about the impact that they are having right now on the environment whereas if it's told way back when like we're able to separate ourselves enough from the from the human characters to feel like we are not a part of that moment but we wouldn't have been able to do that if it were rooted in the present but also i think okay i have two things one i think that if you i think there could be an interesting story to tell about the present where you do talk about those things but then sort of at what point are you just saying it could have been a better movie if it was a different movie you know it's it's how much kind of can you change in order to give suggestions that don't just kind of change what the entire movie is the second thing about it being set in a different time like kind of what you're saying nadia is that this ties in to something that i really wanted to talk about because i subjected myself to watching the first episode of the show spirit riding free and it oh, was no. so <laughs> bad 
Um, and a major thing that I noticed in that show is that that show truly there is no reason for it to be set in the time period that it's set because it is set it stars spirit son spirit oh. and Ew. um Ew. it is supposed to be set like i think kind of fairly recently after the movie and that one was very much that i felt like there was absolutely zero reason for it to be set in that time period because they were all wearing jeans for some reason and I think that I don't, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I wasted my time on it and I wanted it to be worth something in this whole thing. <laughs> Notice me in the work I put in there. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And it's also very reassuring to hear that it's bad because now I don't have to wonder and put myself through watching the first episode. <laughs> yeah. And that show, I very much feel like it could have been set in modern day and absolutely nothing could have been lost or different or changed. I think the original movie, though, I yeah. stand kind of very firmly on the fact that I think that the there could be have there could have been things done differently but I think that it makes sense for it to be set during that time I do definitely understand what your reasoning is though and I think it makes a lot of sense yeah and I think it's like this is a very fair thing to have different opinions on but I think coming back to the the bracket the fact that we are can can I still can I say one more thing about the time period thing yeah 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 so I think the the opening voiceover of the film does a very good job of establishing the thesis statement of the film, which is that the Mustang is this symbol of freedom and this symbol of being able to carve your own path and be your own person. And I think that that time period specifically was very much a, we're going to go west we're going to carve our own path we're going to be our own country so it's very difficult to take the story that is specifically being told in this film out of this time period without it also removing that parallel journey that spirit has with america yeah that's very okay that's very very fair but it also makes me kind of angry because i had never really thought about how white the story of spirit oh, yeah. is yeah like, oh the very that, yes the way it is so and they're literally using i mean like yeah they have native americans but they're also using this horse which is also a native to the land to tell this story that just promotes white beliefs and mindsets okay so the more i talk about it the angrier i am and the more glad i am that i I chose shrek because i hadn't thought about that before and i feel like when we talked about it first we were all just so excited to see like any type of native american representation at all that we were like yay because i remember we were we had talked about that being something that we were like excited about that there were native american characters who were were portrayed as like human beings you know, mm-hmm. but the more I unpack it, the whiter it gets. And so the less likely I am. To I think like that it. that also speaks very much to something that I've been thinking about for all of these movies, specifically the movies that are set in non in non Western places. And again, quote unquote, Western. So so like Abominable and Kung Fu Panda is I get very much the sense that these movies are movies about other cultures told by white people yeah and i have not looked into who has worked on these movies but 
I, that was actually a point that I had for Kung Fu Panda 2 as well because I, I, I was sort of like, well, how much is appropriation here? How much are we appropriating these sort of uh, ideas and buzzwords, I guess? Um, and I think that that's also a larger conversation that we could have and that obviously mm-hmm. the world needs to have because we need more diversity in stuff. And I think that's really interesting because we've talked a lot about diversity in terms of voice acting, in terms of characters, in terms of all of these very visual things. But there's also diversity in storytelling. Mm -hmm. And different cultures tell stories in very, very different ways. And different cultures prioritize themes and messages and concepts in very, very different ways. And you can get as much diversity as you want. I mean, you can get diversity, like, visually through the characters without getting diversity in your story and mm-hmm. I think that's part of how we're gonna that's that's like a process it is a step in the process of decolonizing the media that we consume yes. but I think the final step is getting diversity at the core of the stories that we tell and prioritize yeah and I think sense. it's I think that that's also something that not just obviously not just remarks but like Disney Pixar all of our media and I think decolonizing the media is such a great way to put it because that's what it is and it's and it's almost a kind of appropriation too because you can get points for putting diverse characters in your story but that doesn't mean that it's diverse people telling the story mm-hmm. so yeah very much agree yeah so absolutely absolutely and i think this spirit specifically is definitely a continuation of like what we're seeing with like pocahontas oh yeah Mm-hmm. where it's we're we're telling a story of a minority that we had wronged in the past but we're telling it in a way that either forgets or forgives the wrongs that we have done as a society like it's 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 very it's pleasing to a white audience's concept of where they see themselves in this story and I think pleasing and reassuring, because if you have a piece of media yeah. that says, okay, well, listen, the, you know, the like Pocahontas is a great example of like, well, what happened there, you know, it was a little tense at times, but in the end, it's all okay, and we all worked it out. And that it's sort of placating because you can watch it and be like, well, look, we didn't really do anything too bad. It's fine. And it just ignores so much that happened that we do need to that you know white people need to acknowledge and learn about and it's hard to figure out how to do this because it's really easy to tell stories that center on individuals but we've gotten to a point where this moment is not just about individuals it's it's about entire systems and mindsets of oppression that telling this this single story of this isn't enough uh to touch on my thoughts on shrek because i did i did expunge a whole lot about spirit but not quite anything about shrek i do have a confession to make i i've watched shrek at least once a week since we started this like the actual film shrek i love it including (laughs) including the first week when i said that i had only seen the musical i love this film so much that is the most beautiful thing that you've said (laughs) ever just ever. And like, this wasn't even like, oh, I'm watching this to take notes. I was watching it out of pure enjoyment. But this movie is an absolute powerhouse. And while both films have done a good 
number on how the public has viewed animation. I think Shrek really, really, absolutely changed the game for what can be done. Shrek was one of the first films that, while it wasn't reliant on its celebrity cast, it did put an emphasis on voice acting and how important voice acting is for an animated film, whereas before it was really, you just throw whomever on. And while it may not have been the first to do that, it was definitely one of the pioneers. And given all of the the things I've said about Spirit, I, I cannot envision a world where I would take Spirit over Shrek. I, I think Shrek is just a better film from start to finish, whereas Spirit is this is still a powerhouse of a film, but it is much more, like you said, Nadia, just this sort of sequence of events that don't fully connect to one another. And, and it does have this issue of not really touching on the importance of culture and the importance of the history of that time period. And that is why I am nominating Shrek. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Yay! I think that we have brought up a lot of really valid points about Spirit. I think that it, it it doesn't diminish a lot of the things that Spirit has done very well. I think Spirit, like, I do stand by a lot of the things that I said about Spirit. I think Spirit in general is a very, very good movie. And I think it is important to be critical of the media that you consume and, and evaluate, you know, who's telling the story and who's telling the story about whom and what they want you to get out of it. Um, I do think... That overall, though, Shrek is a better movie, and I agree with all of your points, Andy. I love Shrek. <laughs> that that, that yeah. all you get? Okay. Yeah. Shrek. Shrek. No, yo, we could have just said Shrek. that from the Shrek. start. Shrek. We no, well, we kind of did, and then we got into a whole conversation. <laughs> so I think we've all kind of been on the same... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good Shrek pun. We've been on the same page since the beginning. You know, this conversation sure had a lot of layers. Much like an onion. Hey! Or parfait. (laughs) Everybody likes parfait. (laughs) Like a birthday cake. Anyway. (laughs) I didn't didn't know what parfait was when I was a kid. I still don't really know what parfait is. What's parfait? It's fruit and yogurt. Guys! And... Granola. It's like, yeah, it's like oh, layers of fruit and yogurt. I always envisioned it like a tiramisu. No. All right. So are we ready to move on to our next matchup? Yes. I'm ready. Our final match for round three is our... Oh, I'm sorry. Our final match for round four. I'm looking at the wrong one. Yeah, round. I was like, have we really only done three matches? Is this... <laughs> <laughs> is, is this hell? Like... Our final, our <laughs> final match of round four, the the top four, the the final four. That I feel like I'm using final too many times in that sentence. You're doing great, anyway. buddy. Am I? Well, yeah. I think I feel like I'm just slowly losing my mind. <laughs> you definitely are, and it definitely sounds like you are, <laughs> but you're doing great. <laughs> All right, so the final matchup of. Whatever round we're in, our number 18 seed, Megamind, versus our number 14 seed, the Prince of Egypt. I cannot tell you where I stand on this. Oh, really? 
I think I'm still solidly on Prince of Egypt. Like, both of these films do a lot with their individual mediums, but I think The Prince of Egypt just takes it a step further. But also, both of these films are so drastically different from each other, whereas the last one I could be like, these. this is a theme that connects these two, and The Prince of Egypt handles this one better. And this one is just... They're two different genres. They're just... Like, Megamind is a very good film. Megamind does a very good job with the story that it's telling, and I think its view on the characters in this world is very solidly flushed out. And I love the concept of having this, like, proto-Superman-esque story be told from a perspective of the villain and be told in a way that allows the villain to really be a a valid protagonist. But, like, the Prince of Egypt just does so much right. And, like, one thing with the Prince of Egypt that, like, really struck me and is I think this is, like, the moment where I was like, this is truly an experience to live through and not just a film to watch. It was when they established how they were going to use perspective in the film. Because, like, the opening of The Prince of Egypt feels so fun and enjoyable, and you really get this sense of, like, Moses and Ramses are really loved by one another, and they are truly a family, and they are truly in an, in an environment that cares and nurtures for them. And then it isn't until Moses learns the truth of his backstory and who he was and how his family was treated that it really comes to light as to there are slaves here and they are not treated well. And like having that flip of perspective and having this story tell that in such a solidly put together way, I think really solidifies in my mind that this film is an absolute powerhouse. Whereas Megamind is a very solid film. And I I really want to be able to argue that it is better, but I just can't. And I think that's where my conflict comes. Like, I really enjoy Megamind. I really don't want this to be a matter of me picking The Prince of Egypt because it's a much more serious sit-down film. Like, you can have a good film and not be adult and not be serious, but I just don't think this is the case. I completely agree with you. And I think, for me, my reasoning was a lot more simple than yours. Mine was pretty much, like, I feel like... I can identify parts in Megamind that I wish were different or certain specific jokes or just certain things that, you know, they're, they're not any big things, but certain specific things that I just say, eh, well, I kind of wish that this wasn't here. And there, I don't have any of that for the Prince of Egypt. There's no points that I look at in the Prince of Egypt and say, oh, I kind of wish that this was different or, oh, that joke didn't really quite land. And I think Prince of Egypt came out sort of towards the tail end of the Disney Renaissance. And I think that it captures all of the best parts of the Disney Renaissance and leaves all of the parts that were not so good. So when I was revisiting this or for this whole March Madness thing, I felt very grateful while watching it that they didn't pull a hunchback of Notre Dame and have a sassy little sidekick that that makes jokes and is voiced by a comedian. But like they kind of did that with the advisors. Yeah. But but yeah, they knew. But they were. Yeah. Yeah, like the advisors kind of disappear from the film and like the final act, like very necessarily. Yeah, and 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 
they had the advisors, which were the comedic relief. But yeah, the advisors, they knew when to put them and when to not put them. So there wasn't the, the plague scene and the advisors were like, no, zoinks, this isn't great. And and that's what I feel like Hunchback Rawr, of Notre Dame was. Oh no! And it and yeah, I mean all that to say, my my thesis statement is that I think that Prince of Egypt overall is a stronger movie. Yeah, I agree. I really love Megamind, but I do feel like the Prince of Egypt kind of utilizes more in its tool belt to tell its story in the way that it does which I think is echoing what both of you have kind of already said. But um, to just put my own words in there, I guess. Also, fun fact about the Prince of Egypt that I've been waiting to tell, they had like three academic advisors who, or more than that, they had like three or four academic advisors who worked on the film um, to like help with accuracy. And the Jewish studies professor at Clark was one of the people who advised on the movie. Oh, cool. Isn't that cool? I think he's the reason that they wear sandals. And I don't know what they were going to have them wear before. I don't know if it was just, like, people being barefoot in the desert or if it was, like, full-on shoes. But he was like, let me tell you about sandals. Nike Air Jordans. they were the appropriate footwear. The Prince of footwear. Egypt, sponsored by <laughs> Nike. <laughs> that would have been atrocious. But anyway, I thought that was super cool. I also, like, literally can't stop thinking about all of these different, like, visuals. Just, like, little stills of the film that I like can't get over how beautiful they are in my head and I think that the film did such a fantastic job using like again I don't know art terms but like foreground and background and stuff like all of the scenes were super super layered and I think that like there's one scene where you can see like right at the forefront the Jews like working and then there's like the Egyptians like in the midground and there's like these like very textured buildings and landscapes in the background and like all of it is like, so unbelievably more dynamic than I feel like we typically get to see in, like, a shot of an animated movie. Um, that I, like, I, like, st- I'm still getting all hyped about it. Like, I can't get over the storyboarding that went into creating this film and, like, the way that they were able to utilize all of the tools of animation. And it's so exciting. So, yeah, I also picked The Prince of Egypt. No, I, I absolutely agree with, with that as well. I think the this film is very visually beautifully, uh, beautifully. This film is very v- beautifully visual, mm-hmm. visually beautiful. And it's also like auditorially beautiful as well. The Not even just the, the soundtrack, but the score is very well put together. Yeah, I've given my arguments for it. It sounds like we are all on the Prince of Egypt on this yep. one. Do you know what my favorite part of that movie was, though? What? I really liked his technical dream coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. All right, so <laughs> before we dive into this final matchup and, and duke things out, I do want to take a moment and just acknowledge some of the films that had gotten either cut fairly early far earlier than its time or did not make the cut at all and you know just make some honorable mentions of films that either surprised us or that we really wanted to do well and maybe did not just because at the end of the day with these two final films i honestly don't believe that this is in any way definitive uh if you take enjoyment out of any of the films we've discussed over the past few weeks and you genuinely 
see something in it and enjoy it, then that's that's beautiful. And I, I want to acknowledge that and praise those films. I will start for Nadia, <laughs> as as I, I I feel fairly confident in saying that Monsters vs. Alien Monsters vs. Alien was a was a pleasant surprise. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna live in shame. I am never going to watch that movie ever again because if I do, all that's gonna happen is I'm gonna like like legit just visual visualize both of your faces as little ghosts like spinning around my head, being like, "You idiot! This was such an unforgettable movie." <laughs> No, Why no, but really, no, like really, it? in all seriousness, if you took enjoyment out of that film, that's good. And no, take let's, enjoyment let's, out of... let's, no, 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 let's erase that, <laughs> and instead, let's give my honorable mention to Crude's A New Age, which I genuinely really loved and expected to not like because I did not enjoy the first one, and I was unbelievably surprised by the sequel and i thought it was hysterical and i literally looked up who wrote it because i expected it to be written by a bunch of women and i was very disappointed when they were all men but the fact that i thought it was written by women also i think speaks to how good it is the end okay would you like to give a nice little honorable mention to any of these sure i feel like you're saving yourself for last because you're gonna say something very controversial and i'm excited to hear i am i am i am explicitly saving myself for last because right now i think if i say the film that i'm going to say i'm going to steal it from you okay well okay i mean that's nice of you thank you um (laughs) i i was very very surprised by penguins of madagascar that's what I yeah, was going to say. I genuinely had like no expectations um, going into that movie, specifically because the other Madagascars were not so good. And even though the penguins are my favorite part of the Madagascars, I still just didn't expect much. And I found that story incredibly funny, incredibly sweet, incredibly lovely i was very surprised Uh, yeah i think i think i already kind of talked about how much i liked it but that movie really kind of touched a place deep inside of me that was very wonderful and i liked it a lot yeah i I explicitly let you go first there because i if i were to have chosen one in that moment it would have been penguins of madagascar yeah but i from from our prior discussions on that film i do think that you are, you were more touched by that film than I was, and I wanted you to be the one to address Aww, that. thanks. But now that it's come to me, I might be saying something that's gonna not be accepted by you, and I think that my honorable mention is Captain Underpants. Hey. It's the first <clears throat> Captain Underpants movie, the, the epic one of the first movie, Pants. <laughs> uh-huh. Because... It's it's rare, especially nowadays, to see a story of just two friends just being friends and loving each other and caring for each other, especially when it's two males trying to express this admiration of one another. I, I do honestly think that Catherine Underpants does that very well, and not only for the fact that Catherine Underpants was a fairly important literary work in my formative years but the film does a very good job of acknowledging that that it was a very important work for a lot of people in their formative years and it really does a very good job of 
establishing the world that we had all grown to love and really playing into the the nostalgia factor which may be a reason as to why i'm so high up on it but clearly i'm not the only one no i literally loved it for all the same reasons that i never read any of the captain underpants books just to validate the things that you're saying about the movie (laughs) as a completely separate piece of i also absolutely love this movie i would also like to take a moment of silence for our fallen comrades that did not make it to the bracket, particularly Road to El Dorado, which I was incredibly excited to talk about and rewatch. And I distinctly remember checking the bracket, seeing it wasn't there, and immediately texting Andy and being like, why? What What has happened that the Road to El Dorado hasn't made it on? So. Yep, it's a, it's a shame that movie reviews and critiques are structured the way they do and as much as i want to be the one to be like here's the right answer here's how to fix it i don't think that there is a right answer which is why in all of these episodes so far i have opted to not give hard ratings anyway on to our final matchup it's a final Well, as established by our last episode, this means that the episode is over. Good night, friends. All right, so it's our number four seed, Shrek, versus our number 14 seed, the Prince of Egypt. I was not prepared for this matchup. No. (laughs) What did you expect to make it out of curiosity? Uh, if I'm going to be 100% honest with you, it was this, and I didn't want it to be this, because this is a very difficult decision. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm literally nervous to say anything, because I don't want to be the first one to start. (laughs) No, say say it. Go for it. No, I don't know. I just, I'm, like, super conflicted. Because I love, I enjoy both of these films for very different reasons, and I appreciate the prince of egypt much more now i actually think that the first time i watched it i didn't like it which is kind of embarrassing to say now but i think i watched it with you for the first time leah because you were like you haven't seen this you jew like what so i think we took it out from the library and we like watched it one day after school as we did pretty much every day and i i think that it was like i think the pace was a little bit too slow for me And I don't remember if it was just because I was grumpy and in high school and, like, tired or what, but I think that I had a hard time, like, staying awake through it. Probably because I was grumpy and tired and it was high school and I got no sleep. I don't think I was prepared to like it as much as I did because in my head it was the movie that everyone hyped up. Because, like, you love this movie and Haley loves this movie and both of you hyped it up so much that when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Not the, like, not the same hype that they hyped it up to be and then watching it again now I was like oh 100% definitely worth the hype but like Shrek is something that I've loved ever since the first time I've ever seen it Hmm. and I like continue to love and will continue to come back to over and over and over again and like the Prince of Egypt I also think that I'll come back to but that is one that feels a little bit more rooted in like Passover for me like I feel like I'll come back to the Prince of Egypt when it is Passover and when I like am not able to go to a Seder with my family and like want to connect myself with the story but I don't think it's one that I would just watch on like any given day whereas regardless of where I'm at if you were like want to watch Shrek I'd be like heck yeah 
Yeah, I... I also feel just as conflicted as you. Starting off, I think both of these movies are extremely strong. And I I would feel absolutely good with both of them winning. I don't think that either of them is undeserving or... You know, I think that they're both really great. So, I agree, though. I think... Well, I think, okay, here's 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 a concrete thing that I can say that I think I've gotten okay. to. Which is not going to help in any way because it continues to just split them. But I think... When we're talking about the medium of animation, The Prince of Egypt is a resounding win. If we're talking about the construction of a story, Shrek wins for me. Really? Because I I agree with the animation, but I really do feel like both Shrek and The Prince of Egypt have amazing story construction that really is strong. And I think the difference, too, is that... Because you said that you wouldn't revisit Prince of Egypt, right? Or you would revisit it less or only kind of on special occasions? Yeah. Like, to me, it feels like, kind of like, you know, how you, like, like you watch Christmas films when it's, like, winter, mm-hmm. but, like, in the middle of summer, you wouldn't necessarily, well, I don't want to speak for you, but, like, you know, like, when it gets cold, I like to, I, like, enjoy watching Christmas movies, and, like, throughout October, Larry and I will watch a bunch of halloween movies, and, like, The Prince of Egypt, for me, like, that is a Passover story, and that is a Passover movie, and I do not think that I would consume it if it wasn't Passover. Yeah. I, maybe it's because I don't have that because I'm, I'm not Jewish and my family isn't Jewish, but I revisit Prince of Egypt kind of whenever. I've, I think I saw mm-hmm. either last year or the year before it was on Netflix, so I just watched it. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, great. And then I just, I went and watched it. Um, but I understand what you're saying. I don't think that that necessarily applies in my case, though. Yeah, and I also don't think that it, like, necessarily speaks to it or, like, being or not being my choice. It's just the things that I'm observing, yeah. you know? I think after having listened to you two, I think I've come to a conclusion. Oh, no. Okay. I think I have been convinced in one very specific direction. And it is the fact that... And I really did not want this to be the deciding factor, but I think in my mind this has to be where I land on things. But at the end of the day, one of these films does have some amount of baggage behind it. Hmm. At the end of the day, how we perceive media, how we intake these stories and process them in our own mind and enjoy them on our own does have a lot to do with our personal history and our personal experiences. And I think that because it is rooted in religion, because it is rooted in history, whether... And, and, and take history as in whether we're speaking to the history of the scripture itself within our world or the the actual time period that this takes place in, it, it's going to have some amount of baggage from person to person. Whereas Shrek does not nearly have that. I think Shrek can be enjoyed much more universally as a film and as a story. Hmm. Both of these films are absolutely beautiful. Both of these films tell a very good story in a very powerful way. And honestly, like I, I'm coming to this conclusion on a technicality, but it's very close, and I think it's so close that it has to come down to that technicality in my mind. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we do have to be technicality and nitpicky about it. I think I am leaning towards Prince of Egypt, and I say that 
only because if I think, I think if I picked Shrek, I would feel some kind of way about it. I think picking Prince of Egypt, like, you know, I don't think I'm doing a good job of explaining this, but like, I think if I picked Shrek, I would, I would not regret it. I think I would feel like bad about it. I think if I picture Prince of Egypt, I think I feel very confident in putting that first. And I think that that is because Prince of Egypt just has something, I don't know. I can't even describe why. I Maybe I could if I really thought about it, but I think I'm going to put my vote down for Prince of Egypt, but with a huge giant asterisk next to it saying like, this is just the tiniest little gut feeling that's telling me to do it. I don't even have, I couldn't even pick out something or, or try to convince you guys that that's, well, that's the, you know, quote unquote correct choice. It's just something in me is saying to pick Prince of Egypt. And I think that it's important with these hard decisions to trust that. And and I think it's also difficult because like the Prince of Egypt does touch on a lot more pressing issues Mm -hmm. and a lot more of a serious topic. Whereas like Shrek is like, okay, cute love story told in a very good way the prince of egypt is definitely a all right let's discuss our history and discuss what it really means to be who you are Mm -hmm. like both films are very solid and the themes that each of them touch on are themes that they touch on because that is the film that they are written to be and i don't want to pick the prince of egypt just because it touches on a more serious theme i get that no and that's and that's not why i'm picking it no, I understand that. I was yeah, just, yeah. This was more. This was more me still arguing with myself. Yeah, I think. Okay, you know what I think it is. I think that I have to, for something that's this close. I sort of have to rely on numbers for it because that's just the way that my brain likes to work. And I, when I think about all the categories that I would assign numbers to, I think of things like animation. I think of things like story. I think of things like character development and growth. And I think for things like story and for character development, I actually think that Shrek and Prince of Egypt are very sort of equal in that. They both have very strong characters. They both tell very good stories that are not only just good in terms of narrative stories, but are important and need to be told and are important for people to hear. I think that the characters change in, in both movies, the characters change and grow in really interesting and dynamic ways. And you can see that growth. You can see these people struggling and maturing. I think animation is really where it kind of Prince of Egypt bumps ahead by just a hair. Because I think that in terms of animation, Prince of Egypt, not only... I, I personally not only favor 2D animation generally, I... Prince of Egypt does these visual storytelling elements and these really, really beautiful, beautiful visual elements. So there are ones, there are these stills of these movies that I have sort of imprinted in my mind from watching it that just are so gorgeous and amazing. And I would like print them out and put them on my wall if that wasn't a super weird thing to do. And I understand that Shrek is not trying to do that because I I don't think that Shrek's point and Shrek's story is about those visuals. 
which makes sense and that's not why they prioritized them but i think when i think about a movie i think when i when i think about my priorities in terms of animation visuals are very important for me especially as a person who does art and appreciates animation and specifically appreciates animation for um the medium of animation um which i don't think makes sense but i i i I find that i appreciate animation for the unique things that it can do and i think that prince of egypt does takes advantage of the medium of animation more than shrek does even though shrek isn't trying to do that but i think that just because of my priorities and because of what i tend to appreciate in the things that i consume i think that the that visual component is very important for me and i'm not saying it's like should be important for you guys because maybe you care less about that but i'm i i'm i'm sort of doing what you were doing andy i'm just sort of talking out loud trying to rationalize it to myself but i think that's my general sort of thinking and feeling about it oh i uh, i absolutely respect that um can i also nadia we haven't heard from you in a while okay. yeah i've been thinking through this a lot and i have a couple of other things that i think i've realized so i think i completely agree with you leah in terms of the visuals i like literally cannot stress enough how unbelievably beautiful this film is so i have like two separate thoughts that i'm trying to figure out in my head i think the first one is just like my own and again this is super personal and i've said this before but like my own personal discomfort with organized religion and i understand that this is a beautifully well-told story and i i understand that it is an incredibly important story about freedom and about oppression and about systems that are working on the backs of others. But I also still can't get past the fact that it is religious. And it's like my own religion. Like I was raised Jewish and like the history is what is sort of been the most important thing for me as like a non-religious Jew. But I like still get so uncomfortable with things that talk about literally just god like i and i i don't want that to be the thing that i can't get past but it is still like a personal hang-up for me in terms of my own enjoyment of this film and my own enjoyment of the story that it's telling and i think the other thing that i've been trying to think about and i like can't figure out how to frame this but i think that what is so interesting to me is that The Prince of Egypt is a film where they obviously put in a lot of time and a lot of care, right? Like they had religious experts, they had religious scholars, they had people coming in. Like this was this was a film that a lot of care and energy was put into, whereas like we know that Shrek was like the, the like this throwaway film to make fun of Disney. Like people were made fun of and punished by having to go work on Shrek. It was not something that was created to succeed. So the fact that it has, I think is really powerful to me. And yet Shrek has persisted to be this powerhouse, which to me is testimony to the power that its particular story holds with people. And I think it's really interesting to see which stories persist through time. Like that's something that I really like talking about and like thinking about, especially like studying English in college and like reading a bunch of super old texts like which ones of them like Frankenstein to talk about one of my favorite books is one that has persisted in pop culture so prevalently like since the 1900s which is insane and super cool and I think it speaks to what that story 
continues to mean for people. And I think that, and like, yeah, you could say the same thing about Prince of Egypt, because like, obviously, organized religion has continued to persist. But you can also say the same thing about Shrek. And Shrek is the underdog in that sense, right? Like the Prince of Egypt has this, this already established religion to back up the fact that this story has continued to be told. Whereas Shrek was just this film that people continue to love for what it's saying and the way that it's saying that. And I think for me, that's why I'm leaning towards Shrek. And this is separate from the animation and like, and I know that's obviously a part of it, but like for me, the love that it has continued to evoke is part of my decision. What are you thinking, Andy? Because I'm, so it seems like I'm leaning towards Prince of Egypt, Nadia's leaning towards Shrek. So I guess it's sort of down to you. I, I believe I had settled in on Shrek. Okay. I, I did my whole baggage spiel. Yeah. Well, now I'm leaning towards Shrek, so. <laughs> no, no, it's totally okay. And I, like, I completely agree that what the Prince of Egypt did with animation is unbelievable. And I think this is a really cool moment where we're thinking about the different things that we prioritize when we watch films. Mm-hmm. And they're different. And that's literally just, that's the way it should be. Yeah, you know? that's a good point, and actually, because like, it, every... it really did come down to, yeah. like, the specific things that we value. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, like, you are an artist, so I think it makes a lot of sense for you to to put stock and value in the visuals, and I really like, <laughs> like, English and education, so I think it makes sense for me to think about the prevalence and impact of a story over time. Mm. So, like, I think that both of our decisions make a lot of sense with the people that we are. So I don't think, yeah, basically we should all feel good about what we've decided. Is the- yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I cannot, <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot emphasize this enough. I truly do not believe that a single one of these matches that we've talked about over the course of the past few weeks has a wrong answer. I do, and it's Captain Underpants. Period. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, JK. And like, I know we've joked around about it, but like, period. I don't think that there is a wrong answer on any mm-hmm. of these. I think if, if you take enjoyment out of any of the films listed today, if you truly believe that one film was better than another that we did not agree on, that's a valid opinion and that's a valid decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also totally valid for your opinion to change over time. You know, like we've said, the issue with a lot of these films have like being rated in the time that they were that they came out and sort of how that affected the like the way that you built the bracket um the way that we perceive film changes all the time based off of the time period we consume it in based off of the mood that we're in when we're watching it based off of experience that have happened to us you know recently or in the past so we could literally do this exact same thing in a couple of years and end up with a different conclusion mm-hmm. so everything is subjective and decisions are meaningless good a good ending that good way to end this (laughs) (laughs) well with that we have crowned shrek the animation meditation dreamworks march madness bracket winning film yay we were the crowd in the sports arena. (laughs) (laughs) Clap, 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 clap. And with that, we have been Animation Meditation. 
You can find us at AnyMedPod at Gmail and Twitter. Uh, if you'd like what you hear, feel free to reach out to us. We'd be happy to include some audience discussion in any of our episodes. Uh, <laughs> next episode is... Yes. I could see my fart register in my <laughs> Sorry. I just watched. If you want to talk about Nadia's farts, feel free to email us. I would also, before we go, I would, I already said this off, off recording, but I would like to say thank you for having me on. Other than watching all of the movies. Well, actually, other than, some of the movies were great. Some of the movies were not so great, but I have had a <laughs> very lovely time um, discussing this with you guys, and I love you both a lot. Um, so oh, thank you for love you too. for for having me on for these few episodes. I appreciate it. It's been very fun. Absolutely, I, I truly do appreciate having you here, and I don't expect that this is the last time we're going to hear your voice on this podcast. <laughs> I'll be oh, back. uh next week we will be returning back to just me and nadia and uh, we will be discussing infinity train book two as a bit of an acknowledgement to book four having recently come out since we've been spending several weeks not paying attention (laughs) to what's going on in popular media engrossed in our dreamworks bubble all right well, have a good rest of your day, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. I'm back. Cheese. Opening up my cheese stick. Oh, I said, opening up my cheese stick. Good. Now I'm dividing up my cheese stick. Extra sharp, Sargento brand, cheddar cheese stick. Dividing it into thirds, and dividing this other half into thirds. For my garlic wafer crackers. Not wafer crackers, water crackers. Thank you, Whole Foods. Quote.